Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. We've been in a series that we've titled On the Run as Jonah has been running from God. And then he was cast into, a, into the sea and was swallowed by a great fish. Now he has been uh, uh, removed from the fish by a... It's on, brother. It's not? All right. You're right. It's not. Get this right here. Two me buttons here. All right. Can you hear me now? Okay. I thought I already had that on, but I shut it off while ago. Anyway, we're going to start completely all over again. No, we're not. We, but uh, Jonah had been uh, vomited by the fish up onto dry land. The, the word of the Lord came to him the second time to go and preach unto Nineveh. And uh, he arose. He went. And it was a three-day journey, we believe, that he made in one day. And he went through this, this city preaching, and God used it to speak to hearts. And, and so let's pick up in verse 5 here. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word of the, of the king of Nineveh, and he, aro- uh, and he arose from his... His throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Look back in verse 5 will be our text this evening. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least. Like the preaching message I've titled, So the People Believed. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking that you would meet with us. Lord, we know that there's some that's probably weary from the day, the heat and being at work. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to get out, able to be able to work, able to do those things that's that uh, the body requires activity to do. Lord, I pray that you be with us tonight, Lord, and may the Spirit be moved by the hand of God. Lord, may our souls be stirred for the great need that we have. And Lord, I pray that you would just touch our hearts and lives, even prepare us for the services that will begin on Sunday. But Lord, tonight do something special to your people. And Lord, work in a powerful way. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have Jonah proclaiming the destruction of the, of the land. Uh, the Lord was going to destruct, destroy the people if Nineveh didn't repent and, and turn to the Lord in verse 4. But you pick up in verse 5 and you see an amazing revival that's taking place. It's just amazing. You know, there's a little gap there, I guess you'd say, but there's an amazing revival that has went into action because of what took place in verse 3 and 4, as he began to preach the Word of God, proclaim the Word of God, and tell people that he was going to, that God was going to destroy 
uh, Nineveh if they didn't turn to him. Can I tell you something? That we're living in a day and time when the judgment of God is going to fall on America. The judgment of God is going to fall on every nation if we don't turn back unto the Lord, if we don't see a revival in, the, in our day and time. You say, well, preacher, I, I thought that, that we're living in the last days, and so that's inevitable. So what's the big deal about trying to have revival? I believe that we should, uh, up until the rapture of the church, till the Lord takes us out of here, I think that we ought to be seeking revival, seeking the hand of God, seeking souls to be saved, lives to be changed, Christians to be brought back to God and into the service of the Lord, magnifying God, lifting Him up until the Lord calls us out of here. Now, there may be some worsening of times. The Bible talks about waxing worse and worse. Yes. But I believe that we're here for a reason. If it, if it was not that the Lord wanted us to preach the Word of God and to get the gospel out, to live for Him, He'd catch us out of here now. And so I believe that there are some very important things that in these verses that we need to grasp and maybe even apply to our lives in the church. First of all, the people believed was the beginning of it. Look there in verse 5. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believe God. You know, what a marvelous statement. You really think about this because when you begin to think about the people of Nineveh, they were wicked, vile people who, who, mur who was murderous. They would go in. They was, they was whoremongers, you might say, and they, they was idolaters. They, they worshiped idols, and they, and they killed people in terrible ways, burying sometimes up to their neck in the sand and, and letting them... Uh, uh, just dry up in the sand or uh, doing all kinds of things, filleting them alive. I mean, you go back and study about Nineveh. It was a wicked, wicked bunch of people. And to see there then in verse 5 where it says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. Man, that's, a, that's an amazing statement. When you look at that, at their wickedness, all the Lord has ever asked, might I say, all that the Lord has ever asked of any person. Get this down. All that God has ever asked of any person, any sinner, any Christian is to, to do for him is very simple. He wants you to believe what he said. He wants you to believe him. Believe what he's done for you. When you stop and realize uh, this evening, hey, listen, you ought to stop and, 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 and count your blessings to think about salvation and how you've been saved. And it was, it, it, you had to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to get saved. And he's asked you to do that. Believe that he's who he said he is. He's the son of God. Believe uh, that he's the Christ and that he died for you and, and the forgiveness of, of your sins. Believe that he rose from the grave and is at the right hand of, of God, and, uh, the heavenly father in heaven. And so he's asked us to believe in Acts chapter 16 verse 31. It says, and they said, and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. That was the Philippian jailer. He said, what must I do, do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And, isn't that amazing? And thy house. He said, because when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your life is going to affect somebody else. So many times, and this is, this is what I've watched over the years as a pastor. You lead somebody to Christ, and many times, and they get in there and they start living for God, and the next thing you know, they've got a family member. They've got a friend. They've got a child. They've got a wife or a husband. They've got a brother or a sister, and they get them to come, and they get saved. And their household begins to, down that path many times of, of others in their, in their family getting saved. 
Uh, I remember a few times that, I mean, it just, there was some families over in New Franklin when we was pastoring there, and, and we got, uh, there's a young man got saved off the bus route. Next thing I know, his, his mom came, she got saved. Her, her husband, he came, he got saved. His brother came, he got saved. His other brother came, he got saved. His mom and dad that had already received Christ as Savior, and they began to come to church and serve God. And then some of the kids and, and some of the families, they got saved. And it's just, that's just the way it works many times. But my friend, it takes that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and putting your, your faith in Him. And that's how it begins. And, and that's, that's what was taking place here in Nineveh. They begin to believe. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt, what? Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's that believing in Him. And so we see that in order to truly be saved, you must believe with your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so we see that they begin to believe in what God had said. You see, the people of Nineveh believed the message of God. They believed the message of God of heaven who sent, sent it. Though their lives prior to that was wicked, adulterous, murderous, and God made a change in their lives because they believed what God said He was going to do. You know what I think that probably is one of the saddest things? Sitting in churches like our church all across America, maybe even around the world, are Christians. People who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they've believed. And I believe it breaks the heart of the Lord and, and and what that is, is that his own people have believed on him for eternal life. But they're not believing on him for the rest of their life. They're trusting him to go to heaven. But they're not trusting him in the other areas of their life. They believe that he's God. They believe that he's an almighty God. Until it comes to something else in their life. My friend, I think that probably where we're at today, there's a lot of Christians today, and I'm saying Christians, that's truly born again, that are not believing what's in that book. Believe in what God said. Trust in the Word of God. Oh, if you ask them, well, do you believe what the Bible says? Oh, yeah, I believe what the Bible says. It takes more than just saying that you believe it. To really believe it. In Matthew chapter 13, we find here, Jesus goes into his own country. says, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Hosea's, or Joseph and, and Simon and, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And listen to verse 58, and this is what really astounds me. And he did not many mighty works there because 
of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. I think that probably part of the problem that we're having today and not seeing the mighty hand of God move and work like we, like we would like to see is because of unbelief. Not trusting. Not allowing God to have control. I fear that we, we don't see those mighty works. And, and it is because we don't believe. We need to take a lesson from a wicked city called Nineveh. That ought, that ought to put us to shame to think that a wicked, adulterous, murderous city, when a preacher came, a prophet of God came running into that city, and I understand, in fact, the Bible says that, that uh, he was kind of a, 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 something about his parents, no doubt, affected the people, and God used that. But he come running into that city and he said, yet 40 days and God is going to destroy this city. Remember I said there's over 600,000 people that lived in Nineveh. Over 600,000. And we just read where it said, and Nineveh. And Nineveh. Not some of Nineveh, not part of Nineveh, but Nineveh believed God. You know what our problem is today? Part of the church believes God and part of it doesn't. Part of us, we say, yeah, I believe, I, yeah God can do that, but you really don't believe he'll do that. Boy, I'll tell you what, we should take a lesson from Nineveh. That when God says it, that settles it. A fellow once said, he said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. A fellow said, no, if God said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not. And so we ought to, if, if it's in the Word of God, we ought to believe it. And trust the direction God is leading and guiding us. When we struggle in our believing, we need to follow the lead of the, the man who sought the Lord to heal his son. When he had brought his son to his disciples and his disciples couldn't heal him. And Jesus came and, he said, and asked him basically what's going on here. He said, I brought my son and your disciples couldn't heal him. And, and uh he wanted him to heal him, and, and he, the father told him, he said, can you heal him? And, and Jesus told him, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible. And the man's response was this, and straightway the father of the child cried out with, and said, no, says, said with tears. You know, sometimes we just read it that he said this, but it says that he said it with tears. With tears, his heart was broken. And he said, I believe, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He's saying this, he's, he's broken, he says, I want to believe with everything that's in me and trust what you're saying, but for some reason there's a little bit of some doubt in my mind and in my heart and I'm struggling with that. Yes, I believe, but boy, I'm struggling with this thing inside of me. He said, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Ever been there? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. We believe that God can, and then we struggle with will he. I'm not talking about name it, claim it. I'm talking about getting in the Word of God and seeing what God says. It wasn't a name it, claim it when Jonah come running into Nineveh. He would come in. He gave them the, what God had said. The Spirit of God broke their hearts and, and, uh, with the message of God. Can I tell you, if our hearts become tender to the Spirit of God, you'll know what the Word of God says. And you'll understand that it's true. And then when there's some doubt there, you just ask the Lord, Lord, I believe, but I am struggling here. Help thou my unbelief. Because I'm going to be honest with you, every one of us still have the flesh. And we still battle the flesh to many, many instances in our lives. We still struggle with that. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how many verses you can quote. I don't, you know, we still face the flesh. And that's when we've got to say, Lord, I believe. But Lord, I know there's some doubts there. Would you help me? Help thou mine unbelief. And I look at this and I see what took place in Nineveh and I'm thinking, my soul, what a revival. And here we sit in our churches with the Word of God in our hands and we can read it every day and we can see what thus saith the Lord. And we're on this side, in this dispensation, where Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And we have dwelling within us the Holy Spirit of God to guide us and to direct us and to lead our thinking and our understanding of the Word of God. And yet we many times don't believe what God's given us in the Word of God. And I'm not talking about just promises. I'm talking about things where he said, if you don't, I will. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. My friend, we've got to realize that God's word is true and we've got to begin to live. And I think that we've got to get back to verses that we need in our lives to bring us to a place of revival just like... 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. You know what? We just use that verse. Boy, it's a good verse. And boy, I'll tell you what, we really need that and everything. But do we believe it? Do we believe it? We're going to find out in a minute if we believe it. So we've got to come to this place of realizing that we need to believe what the Lord says. They were, they, they, they believed. And here's what I was talking about when I said that. Believing faith, now listen, believing faith always, and I'm going to say that word again, always moves you to do something. Believing faith always moves you to do something. 
Look at verse 5 again. It says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. And notice what happens. And proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. When we truly believe what we say we believe, it's going to do something in our lives and move us to do something. It's going to do something in our lives and move us to do something with our lives. Too many Christians today say they believe and it moves them. I'm not even going to sit there. And it moves them no further than this right here. Think about that for a minute. What I say I believe, what is it doing in my life? How is it changing my life? What is it causing to happen in my life? What does it cause me to do today? What will it cause me to do tomorrow? What in what I say I believe, how is it impacting my life first of all? It impacted the wicked people of Nineveh to believe that there's a God of heaven and to proclaim a fast. Now I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not trying to be funny. If you can get people to give up food and not eat, and if you look at the rest of it and not even drink, even, listen, even water they didn't drink. We'll look at it. There's something moving. They proclaimed the fast, and then they put on sackcloth. We don't practice that. And, and I don't, and I'm not saying we should. I, I'm just, that was a sign of humbling oneself. It would be like this. You go in and you find the, you look at your closet and you say, well, what should I wear today? And God is speaking to your heart and you're so moved that you go out to the barn and used to when you could find the old toe sacks, the old burlap sacks, and you cut that thing open. Ladies, you make you a skirt out of it. You make you a top out of it. Men, you make you a jacket or, or a top out of it and, 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 and wrap it around your legs and go to church. Be kind of humbling, wouldn't it? And people would look at you and say, What? What? Sackcloth was putting off the finities of life. And they would literally cover themselves with something that would be like burlap out of an old feed sack that we would use today to show humility that I am nothing and God is everything. To show a humbling that God, I, I am so meager and I don't even have, and I don't have anything to offer But I just offer myself. 
It's humbling. They not only sit in sackcloth, but we'll see over here a little bit, they sat in ashes. Sit where they had taken the ashes from the fire and they dumped the ashes out and in a place all the time. And they literally would sit down in those ashes and many times take those ashes and throw them up into the air and let it settle upon them. I'm not saying that's what we got to do. But the whole picture there is this. Of I'm nothing. Lord, you're everything. Lord, I ask you to, to please have mercy on me. And he's humbling. They were humbling themselves before the Lord. You see, when we truly believe what we say we believe, it'll move us into action. In James chapter 2 and verse 17 and 18, it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, I have works. And then he says, Show me thy faith without, the, without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. What I'm saying here is this. It will, if you believe your faith, it, it should move us to do something. It should change us. The people of Nineveh got busy when they believed God. They proclaimed the fast. They put on the sackcloth. By the way, when you look at this, what they did is the very first thing that 2 Chronicles 7.14 says. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Amen. If we'll humble ourselves. Even the king humbled himself and he sat down in the sackcloth and ashes. Might I say it matters not who you are, what you have, where you live, how long you've been saved, we all need in our day to humble ourselves and seek the Lord. That He might bring revival into our land again. Notice they didn't just sit there in the sackcloth and the ashes, but they cried unto the Lord. Look in verse 8. It says, But let, it, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil ways, from the violence that is in their hands. But they didn't just sit there, astound and stare. But it says that they cried, now look at that. They cried, how? Mightily. Mightily. It means that, man, they didn't just say, well, Lord, you know, I've messed up and uh, forgive me. They were broken. They were moved. And they, they got serious because they knew if God didn't intervene and if God didn't forgive them, that He would destroy them. And so they cried mightily. Boy, our prayers sometimes are so weak and so meager. 
When we ought to, hey, listen, in this nation right now, we look at the destruction going on. We see the things happening. We see the, the immorality. We see the ungodliness. We see the wickedness. We see the vileness. We see everything that's cultivating and coming together in every area. We see churches that are drifting away from God. Christians have turned their backs on God. Boy, we ought to be on our faces and crying mightily unto God. Not just praying. I don't think we understand what it means to cry mightily anymore. You know, I think back in the Depression, people learned to cry, cry mightily unto God. Because they had nothing. Boy, I tell you what, it, what would happen? I, what would happen if we got on our faces before God? Even tonight and just opened our hearts and, and just begin to call upon Him. Not trying, to, not trying to frame words to sound eloquent and not trying to frame words to sound intelligent, but just pouring out our hearts of, God, I see the wickedness and the vileness, and Lord, I, I, I beg of you and I plead with you, please spare us. That's mightily. I think we've lost, in many instances, that stirring in our hearts to call on God mightily. Seeking Him with all of our hearts. They called mightily. It's time for every Christian to get serious about the sin of our country and our own lives and the church for not living for the Lord as we should. You see, judgment's coming. If you believe the Word of God, do something about it. Seek the Lord. Humble yourself. Cry mightily unto the Lord. Don't just wait for a prayer meeting on, at, at church. Here's our problem. Well, well, you know, we call Wednesday night prayer meeting and, and we have prayer at the end. You know, we get together and we, 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 we give some prayer requests and we pray. I'm going to tell you something. There needs to be prayer meetings every single day in our lives. Where we're calling on the Lord and seeking Him. Not wait until till Wednesday, not wait until Sunday, not wait until a, a revival meeting, but even now calling on God. Amen. Calling mightily on the Lord. Oh, how we need that. Oh, how we need a stirring again in our hearts by the Spirit of God. Look with me, verse 10. The Lord saw their hearts and he, that they turned to Him. It says, and God saw their hearts that they turned from their evil way. They believed and they turned. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. And you read this. And what happened when they turned from their evil way? When they, when they got their hearts right? You say, well, preacher, I'm not, I'm not out there in sin. I'm not cheating on my wife or my husband. I'm not, I'm not drinking. I'm not drugging. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Can I ask you something tonight? What are you doing? The Bible says, He that knoweth do good and doeth it not to him it's sin. 
And I'm not saying that we're, in, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not pointing fingers or anything. I'm just saying, boy, my heart stirred for about me. About me. Because I feel like there's so much more that I need to do. There's so much more that I, closer I need to get to God. There's so much more that I need to put into my prayer life and seeking the Lord with all my heart and praying mightily and seeking Him for revival and asking Him to do something great and mighty. They turn from their way. I'd have to say that probably that's part of the problem today in our lives as Christians that we're living after our way and not God's way. But might I say that repentance never goes unnoticed? God picked up on it real quick, didn't he? It didn't take 40 days. God turned away his wrath. Doesn't go unnoticed, and Lord, then he, he'll answer prayer and he'll heal our lives and our land. See, the Lord desires to bless and not to blister. The Lord doesn't want to blister us. He wants to bless us. But if we don't turn, then there's no alternative but to be blistered. But it's up to us. We make the choice and the difference in, in the outcome. You say, well, preacher, I see that there it says, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do. Okay. You mean that we can change the mind of God? That's not really what it's saying. The Lord had already laid it out for them. If you don't repent, I'm going to destroy you. If you do, I'm not going to destroy you. It's not like he changed his mind. He gave them a choice. You realize tonight that every person's life here, that's all God has ever done, is give you and me a choice. And oh, how we need to turn to Him in that choice with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, to seek Him we see that he didn't destroy Nineveh. We have some choices to make. Though we're in these last days and things will wax worse and worse, as I said earlier, we can still see souls saved. We can still see Christians restored and brought back to the Lord. And the church abound in the Lord. But we must truly believe His Word. We must believe. Believe and take God at His Word is so needed in our day and in our lives even right now. I believe that we hold in our hands the answer. But it boils down to when we say, I believe, what is that belief doing in our lives? It did something in theirs. 
I believe that it will move us towards the Lord if we really believe. I'm not saying a person's not saved. I'm not saying they don't believe that's not the Word of God. But I think that we haven't got serious enough about it sometimes to allow it to do something in our lives. They got serious. And they allowed it to do something in their lives. Let's take a lesson from Nineveh. Isn't it amazing that God can even use a wicked people to teach us a lesson that we need so bad? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. And I come to you. And, oh, Lord, as I see how that Nineveh turned, and it was all because they believed. And I see the great need today in our churches and in our homes and in our own personal lives to turn and to believe and allow that belief to do something in our lives that draws us closer to you and seeking you and allowing you to do what you want to do. Have your will and way in this invitation. May we find a place and humble ourselves and call mightily unto you. Have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?